Hello, Ryerson. It's Friday, January 31st, and this is Blue and Gold. For the Ryersonian, I'm your host, Dan Drigo. And I'm LaToya Powell. On Friday, January 24th, the university announced that the RSU's agreement has been officially terminated. Vice Provost Jen McMillan published the following statement on the university's website. The university has lost confidence in the RSU's ability to represent students with good governance and to supply the services that students pay for. Under the previous team, two executive members had spent around $273,000 on union credit cards for food, clothes, alcohol, and entertainment. The current RSU executive team announced on January 21st of this year that a police report had been filed, alleging financial mismanagement. This week, Ryersonian education reporter Sharina Harris will give us an update on what the termination means for Ryerson students. Later in the show, David Jardine will join us to discuss why they support Ryerson's decision in dropping the RSU as an official student government. Sharina Harris has been covering the RSU as the story has progressed over the past couple of weeks. She joins us in studio today to explain the reasoning behind the university's decision to cut ties with the union and what this means for students moving forward. Thanks so much for coming in, Sharina. I'm really interested in figuring out what all of this means for us. Thank you, me too. So just to take it back to the beginning... Uh, Could you just backtrack a little and tell us a little bit more about where this issue with the RSU all started? Sure. So any student who's been at Ryerson for longer than one year or has been following the news knows that Ryerson Students Union has always had problems. Historically, the campus papers have had no shortage of material to uncover and investigate. Uh, But I would say that specifically what happened this year kind of goes back to last year's executive team. So last year, um, when I was at the eye-opener, we discovered that the two RSU executives who were holding credit cards actually weren't supposed to have those credit cards under the RSU's own financial policies. So that kind of raised some red flags for us. And then we started getting some tips about their credit card spending. Um, And eventually all of this came out at a board meeting on January 24th, where one board of directors member actually read out loud a whole bunch of things from the statements. So there were upwards of $2,000 spent on things like food, alcohol, clothing, uh, sporting goods shop. And uh, so we wrote that story. It kind of went viral. And um, what was the reaction like when they were reading this out? The room was really quiet. I think that some other people had kind of known about it. But the atmosphere was so tense and myself and my two other news editors were just kind of sitting at the media table at the back of the room and we were like, is this really happening? Um, So we wrote one story just saying the board member alleges the total amount spent was $250,000, which is mind boggling. And then uh, we confirmed that the credit card statements were accurate and then published that story as well. So in the fallout of uh, that credit card, like the credit card statements being read out loud, um, eventually one of the people who held their credit cards, President Ram Ganesh, was impeached by the board. Um, another uh, person who held the credit cards, the vice president of operations, was suspended, but she still kept her position. She, it basically just meant that she lost her signing authority. Um, and yeah, so obviously Ryerson University... Um, Every time we talk to someone from Ryerson, they stress that they're a separate entity from the students' union. The idea of a students' union is that they're independent and Ryerson is separate from that. But in the wake of the credit card scandal, what happened is Ryerson basically had three different things that they asked of the RSU. The first one was to renegotiate their agreement. So this is the agreement that governs 
uh, like how things work between the RSU and the university, and it dates back to 1986. So Ryerson said it's pretty old. Um, in the wake of this, we need to update our agreement. You, as in the RSU, needs to complete a forensic audit, and you need to make the results of that audit publicly available. What so, happened to the results of this audit that was ordered? Yeah, so... The RSU did um, start a forensic audit. Uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers did it last March, um, and we didn't really hear anything about it. And so coming into the Ryersonian this semester, I really wanted to figure out what was happening with that audit. Um, and eventually we learned that the audit was completed and the RSU actually filed a report with Toronto Police based on the results of that audit. We still haven't seen it. We're expecting to see it next week at the February 3rd semi-annual general meeting. But what's really interesting is that Ryerson University has told us that so far they also haven't seen the results of the audit. And if you remember what I was just saying, Ryerson seeing the results of the audit was one of the conditions that they imposed on them. One of the other conditions was that they renegotiate that really old operating agreement. But according to a detailed timeline that Ryerson has posted on their website, um, that that hasn't happened. Ryerson has mm. basically said that talks with the RSU broke down. The RSU didn't um, like missed multiple meetings with senior administration, um, stopped responding to emails. And even though Ryerson says they were acting in good faith, they said the RSU wasn't responding to deadlines. The RSU, according to the statement of claim that they filed yesterday, because by the way, they're also taking the university to court over, over the decision to terminate the agreement. Um, the RSU kind of sees things a little bit differently based on what they lay out in that statement of claim. But basically, to sum it all up, Credit card scandal, three conditions imposed, and Ryerson doesn't think the RSU met those conditions. The RSU thought they were or the RSU thought they were unfair conditions in the first place, and now this kind of in a state of limbo. So those three factors essentially were the nails in the coffin for the RSU. Yes. Just in terms of the impact that this termination of the agreement will have on uh, student groups themselves, and of course equity centers, uh, mm -hmm. service centers, uh, what's going to happen with them? So that's actually one of the first things that I thought of um, when I heard the news on Friday. I think that a lot of people, especially on Twitter, were saying like, oh, congratulations to student journalists. You took down the RSU. And speaking as one of the journalists who broke that initial story, um, I don't think it was ever our intention because you don't really go into a story with intentions as a journalist. We never wanted to see the RSU crash and burn, despite what some people think journalists want to do. What we wanted to do and what I think we were successful in doing was holding the RSU accountable. Um, but obviously, as journalists, we also try to um, uplift and support the voices of people whose voices aren't always um, loud. And I think that really speaks to the work that uh, we try to do covering the equity service centers and other student groups at Ryerson. And so those are the people who I thought of immediately on Friday. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is so great. I wasn't thinking this is a positive result of my reporting. I was thinking, what's going to happen to all of those people in the equity service centers um, the decision happened on Friday that Ryerson made this announcement. And on Thursday night, I was actually in one of the RSU equity centers, Rye Access, uh, speaking with the two co, um, not the co-founders, but like the co coordinators, I guess, the co-leaders of Rye Access. And the office space was just so positive and uplifting. And they were basically telling me that like the RSU had changed the direction of their lives and for all the problems within it. Mm -hmm. They were so glad to have found that space. Adam, who was uh, one of the co-leads, was like eating oakum pasta. And he was like, I never would have discovered oakum cafe if like I hadn't been part of the RSU. And um, 
So that's what I was thinking about on Friday was concerns over what was going to happen to these spaces that mean so much to so many people who might not have somewhere else to go on campus. So um, what I noticed is that in their initial posting on their website, which has since been updated, Ryerson didn't actually name the equity service centers at all. They said that they would continue to provide fees for health and dental, which they've also been doing over the course of the year as they've withheld funds from the universe or from the union. Um, but they didn't say anything about the equity service centers. They've since said in a few different like PR statements that they're going to continue to uh, protect essential services. I don't know that they've actually specified whether or not that includes the equity service centers. The RSU has said that um, they'd like to continue, obviously, running mm. the equity centers. But in the statement of claim that they filed, it says that if the university continues to on this course of action, that the RSU risks having to shut down the seven equity centers, um, which I think would be a really big loss to Ryerson students and the wider community. Of course. It's a double-edged sword, this whole conflict, because obviously Ryerson is trying to keep the students' uh, best interests. Mm -hmm. But in a way, obviously, the RSU is trying to do the same thing. Um, at least this exec team is. In terms of the upcoming election, that's what I'm concerned about. Uh, Why, you're going to run? <laughs> I may at this point. But just looking at all of this that's happened in the past couple of weeks, and we're supposed to have an election in the next two weeks, yeah. what's, what's going to happen to it? Yeah, that's another thing that was kind of strange about the university's announcement. Not just that it came out at like 3 p.m. on a Friday, because as journalists know, why do you why would you put out a news release on a Friday afternoon? Um, but the fact that the union elections are happening so close to now, I think raises a lot of uncertainty. The RSU has said, like for the equity centers, that they'd like the elections to go ahead. But they also say in the statement of claim that if Ryerson continues on this path, they might risk not having the elections. It's obviously worth asking if they have the elections and a new uh, slate or new executive members and board of directors members are elected, but then the RSU can't function because they have no money or because Ryerson like is more forceful in like shutting them down, is, is it worthwhile having the election? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of confusion over that. Um, I can see it still going forward. Certainly Monday, there was a board of directors meeting. A lot of it was in camera, which meant that the student journalists who attended couldn't actually be in the room for a lot of those discussions. Um, but that meeting still went ahead, even though the RSU's agreement has technically been terminated. I believe next week's uh, semi-annual general meeting, where I expect to see the audit results, will also still go ahead. So the RSU is kind of moving uh, full steam ahead as they pursue their legal action. But I think the university has been pretty clear so far. We haven't received a statement from them yet on the legal action, um, but they've been pretty clear that they intend to um, not go back to the negotiating table and stand um, firm in what they said on Friday. So so in terms of the elections, it's all pretty up in the air. There's only so much that we can assume to happen, right? Until we hear more from both the Ryerson administration and RSU themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth noting also that this idea of uncertainty around the equity centers and the elections isn't new. Um, last year, when the Doug Ford government announced the Student Choice Initiative, the equity service centers basically had to advocate and fight for themselves um, and prove that they were worthy of being a mandatory fee for students. And they just kind of got over that last semester when uh, the Canadian Federation of Students and York University Students Union won in court and um, got the Student Choice Initiative basically proved like unconstitutional. Um, but now that the Ford government is appealing that, that's a little bit more uncertainty but I just feel for these groups that have like spent the last year trying to prove that they're important and now they're going to have to do that all over again. 
Trina, thank you so much for coming on. I've learned more than I ever could today. <laughs> you can find more of Sharina's work covering the RSU at ryersonian.ca. Uh, thank you again. And thank you. Have a great day. You too. David Jardine is a fifth-year Ryerson student, but has recently transferred into professional communications. They have been actively involved in student politics at the university and have been vocal in their criticism of the RSU. Thanks for joining us, David. Anytime. So, as you are not affiliated with the RSU, what drives your passion for student politics? So, I mean, I will say I have been affiliated with them in the past. Not currently. I worked there as a hired part-time student staff um, two to three years ago. Um, I think what drives my passion for student politics, though, is how much we stand to gain from it as general students. Um, so right now I'm not involved at all in any official way with the RSU. Um, but there's so much that a properly functioning students' union can do for students, and so that's why I think it's our duty as students to pay attention, and that is why I do my best to keep up to date with what's happening, whether it's reading live tweets of their meetings, actually attending their meetings, or staying just up to date with however the news is coming out, because they run equity service centers, they run academic advocacy, and lots of really fun things as well, and I think the impact that the RSU has on our campus is a little bit misunderstood. I think people take it for granted, but don't understand um, all of the ways that we benefit from having a successful students union. And what sort of reactions do people give you when you openly criticize or comment on things that are happening in the RSU? Yeah, I mean, it depends. I've said a lot of things that were in favor of the RSU in the past, and I've said a lot of things against the RSU and individuals in the RSU. And so it depends. Obviously, sometimes I'm a little more, I'll say, professional. And I think in those cases, people will, you know, respond with their opinions, maybe disagree. Um, most recently with criticizing kind of what's been going on and, and critiquing what's been going on, um, it's been fairly positive, surprisingly, like even from people within the RSU have been very open to admit that they're not perfect. Um, and I don't think anyone could try to argue that right now. But it's been fairly positive, like this most recent like stuff that's been going on with the university terminating the contract. Uh, my criticisms of it have just been that it's it's kind of like, I'm not surprised that this happened, whether it's right or wrong, different, different debate, but I'm not surprised that it happened. And kind of the RSU was like, you know, you're right, we haven't done as much as we should have. And that's not specifically on this exec or specific anyone. It's been, you know, years of kind of RSU fumbling on a lot of different areas. Can you describe your initial reaction upon hearing what happened between Ryerson and the RSU? Yeah. Um, so like I said, not surprised, yeah. but definitely disappointed um, in the sense that we need a student's union. Um, and so I think... You know, should the RSU continue to be our students' union? That's a debate that we should be having, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that we are having that. Um, I'm, you know, not like, not that anyone's asking me, but I'm not throwing an official endorsement to either for or against necessarily right now. But I definitely think we should be criticizing the RSU right now and being like, what is the RSU doing well? What is the RSU not doing well? Ryerson, you know, only pointed to in their statement all the things the RSU is not doing well. All very valid points, I thought. Um, but Ryerson also should acknowledge all of the benefits that we get. And they kind of, 
um, threw out a little bit of a, yeah, we want to make sure the essential services are supported, but didn't say how and have already stopped, according to the RSU at least, have already stopped allowing for students to be represented by the academic advocate in academic integrity cases. And so it doesn't seem like Ryerson is doing that much to meet students where we're where we're at and they're not doing much to support those essential services so I'm kind of like I think we should be critiquing both sides here and there's a lot to be done better on both sides um, and that's kind of where I think I stand like both for my initial reaction of not being surprised to kind of after having a couple days to digest it as a you know with my friends and with my peers that's kind of where I think I've landed on that. One last question, just out of curiosity. Yeah. You, you still have, like, quite a bit of time here at Ryerson. Mm. Would you... Don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> but would you be interested in actually being part of this potential new RSU, whatever that platform might look like? I think if it becomes inevitable that we're going to have a new students' union, I would definitely love to be a part of making sure that it gets things right. Um, because I think with a new students union, you got to make sure you get it right on the first try or else there might not be a second try. Um, but that may just be through attending membership meetings or whatever process the university has to make sure we have a good structure and, and, and things like that. You know, um, I think students do forget that technically, if you look at the hierarchy of the students union, the students are actually like higher up. Like people like to think it's a pyramid with the president on top. The students are actually like above the president. Um, and so I think I'm, I don't really see myself doing an executive role, for example, um, adds a year to my degree and everything. And I've been here a while, as you mentioned. Um, And I truly love my job that I have in residence. But I definitely would love to share my knowledge and make sure we can get things right by helping out with the process. But I don't think like an executive role or anything like that. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again. Of course. Happy to. Nicole Briannis is the president and CEO of Ryerson's Continuing Education Students Association of Ryerson, also known as CSER. She's been previously involved in student politics at the University of Toronto and is joining us in studio today. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, can you just tell me about what your relationship with CSER is and then what CSER's relationship is with Ryerson? So CSER this year has been very strong, um, have been very happy with the work that's been done. So when we received the announcement on Friday about the university's decision to terminate the RSU's operating agreement, it was definitely a bit of a shock for us, or I guess I could say a large shock for us. It was um, definitely alarm and concern. Uh, student unions are essential and integral parts of campus. Of course. Um, so our immediate reaction was concern for students um, and the support they would be receiving, which we soon found out was already lacking. Um, the university did not have sound measures set up to ensure that students would not be affected by this decision that they made. Um, we received quick notice that there was a student who went with the RSU student advocate to an academic hearing um, that was to be taking place, and the student was actually denied access with the um, student advocate support mm. to enter into the space. So already huge red flags. Um, This was reflected at Senate, but you did also ask about our relationship with the university. And um, 
I mean, we thought, honestly, it was going pretty well throughout the year, but this definitely raises, again, a lot of red flags. Um, Caesar was never consulted in the process prior to this announcement from the university. The university actually released it publicly before emailing Caesar. We received uh, an email about 30 minutes after they posted it onto their website. Um, So seeing as we're a sister union with the Ryerson Students Union on campus, that's a huge concern for us. Um, We, as well, um, already have had... Um, folks reaching out asking for Caesar to support them in place of the RSU, which we already are catering to 16,000 members on campus. Um, Our capacity is definitely already very full. Um, And while we want to ensure that students are still being supported and still their needs are being met, that should be done by the RSU. And the fact that the university took this away from students um, is a major concern for us. We are not happy with um, the behavior that's been exhibited over the past couple of years um, and those individuals who you know, broke bylaws, they broke policies, they didn't abide but by what the RSU stands for and by what the RSU is set up to supposedly do. Mm-hmm. The problem was with the individuals and not with the organization. And that's what we're really trying to um, talk to students about and let them know that you're allowed to be mad. You should be mad. We should be mad at those people who made those decisions, but we shouldn't be taking this out on an organization that has 70 years of good history and good advocacy work in supporting students and accessing fall reading weeks and accessing the ability to pay uh, tuition installments and two fees so that students don't have to be barred by their financial barriers and accessing post-secondary education by putting those tuition freezes in place. So there's so many things that go into this organization outside of the misconduct that was done over the past couple of years. So that being said, you talk a lot about separating misconduct from the the organization themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could apply that in terms of why harm this year's executive team for the RSU as opposed to just seeking legal action against the perpetrators of the actual scandal? Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that we're very confused about why the university did not pursue that route. There's a number of things that they should have done before taking this action. From a legal standpoint, even, this is a contract that should have been taken to the court, should have been um, received third-party mediation. Again, Caesar was never even consulted in the process. We've been left out of this conversation. Um, it's been very frustrating, and to now have this come to place as honestly an abrupt announcement, um, which was evident from Senate conversation that numerous departments within the university were not consulted prior to this decision. Yeah, there's a lot of concern on our end. Would you have any suggestions for the RSU's next steps? Obviously, it's a very murky situation, Mm -hmm. but what would you suggest the RSU sort of do in terms of damage control at this point? Yeah, um, I think the legal case that they filed is definitely a necessary part of this um, if there are concerns and that there has been shown to be concerns with the legality of the university being able to exit the contract in this manner. But even greater than that, I think that the RSU needs to really connect with students. The issue that they've been having over the past few years is that disconnect, is the fact that folks within these roles have been acting not in the best interest of students and not in the best um, interest of the organization, but in the best interest of themselves. I do not think that the um, individuals of this term um, are on the same level as previous executives, but it's been clear that there's been conflict within the team. That's fair. Nobody has denied that. So it's really about the RSU getting back to its roots of what it should be doing as an organization, fighting for OSAP um, to be restored, fighting against the Ontario government. That's been an ongoing conversation. Like It was really great to see the RSU's team re-engaging in that advocacy component this um, year, which hasn't been seen in a couple of years. So there has shown some promise of the organization rebuilding itself, and there has been steps 
that have been taken in the right direction to restore faith by students in their students' union. The problem is that there hasn't been enough time to really rebuild that organization into what it should be. Mm-hmm. So really drawing on students to you know, put pressure on your executives to do the work that you want them to do. I have two more questions for you, just in terms of the opting in initiative at the start of this uh, Mm -hmm. school year. Do you think that had an impact on just in terms of funding going towards the RSU um, and then by proxy, the other student unions? Yeah, the student choice initiative has proved to be a very difficult um, situation and a clear attack by the Ontario government on the rights for students to independently organize and the ability for students to advocate for their own rights. So I definitely think that this was a very vulnerable time when the university chose to act. Um, They said that they gave them a year, but as you just mentioned, the vulnerability that the students unions as a whole across Ontario were put in by the Ontario government. This was a very, um, I would say, honestly, underhanded time to do that. Um, It didn't take into account all of the measures that have been put in place in terms of securing financial stability within the union in that time as well. Um, But while the Ontario government has been shown to be attacking education, um, honestly, across all sectors, we see uh, teachers right now for unions and how long are in uh, you know, like a walkout right now or in strikes against the government because there's been shown to be a lack of regard and a lack of concern for unions in the education sector. That was shown at the post-secondary education sector by the Ontario government earlier this year. And now it's being shown by universities. Lastly, I just wanted to talk to you about an independent council uh, being tasked with or soon to be appointed and Mm -hmm. being tasked with creating a new student governing body which will be supported by its own committee of students and faculty and a graduate student, I believe. Do you think this is the right route for the university to take? No, to be quite frank, no. Um, I think that getting back to the table and doing the proper process of um, of negotiation between the RSU and the university is the route that they should be taking. I don't think that the university has any right in student advocacy and student democracy. They've overstepped their boundaries. Um, they, that's a place that they should not be. Um, and. Again, it's important for students to recognize the rights that are being taken away from them by the university doing this. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on today. Let's hope this whole situation clears up and we get a uh, happy ending. I hope so too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what else we're following this week. The Ryerson Office of Social Innovation, or OSI, hosted an official launch on Monday. The event celebrated the past year of restructuring and promoted several new services available to aspiring changemakers. The OSI has been operating since 2016 and takes a student-focused approach to creating sustainable social change. Executive Director Melanie Panich said that this structure encourages participation from multiple disciplines and is a perfect fit within the innovation and entrepreneurial community at Ryerson. The coronavirus has been causing quite a stir globally, so much so that a fake Ryerson incident update was posted on Twitter saying that two students had been infected with the virus. The post generated some traction online, but reporter Matthew Rodrigopoul was able to fact-check the account by contacting Ryerson Security. They confirmed that the page and post were indeed fake. Former NBA All-Star Kobe Bryant died Sunday in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. Eight other individuals perished in the accident, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, and two of her teammates. The loss has been recognized throughout the basketball world. 
and the vigil will be held for the Black Mamba on Thursday in Maple Leaf Square. That's all for this week's episode of Blue and Gold. Thanks for listening. You can catch up with us next week for more of your community's top stories or check out everything we talked about online at ryersonian.ca. Blue and Gold is a production of the Ryersonian and the Ryerson School of Journalism. Our hosts are Dan Drigo and LaToya Powell, with executive producing done by myself, Lauren Davis. Additional reporting done by Sharina Harris. Our editor-in-chief is Talene Loschiavo. Managing editor, Isabel Kirkwood. Instructors, Peter Baker George and H.G. Watson. Graphics by Brent Smith. Special thanks to Angela Glover, Lindsay Hanna, Daniela Aleru, and Gary Gould. Music this week provided by We Star. I'm Lauren Davis. Thanks for listening.